0: At the start of Mass, I invited us to think about imagine preparing to come over here tonight. If somebody had stopped you and said, What do you want? You know, what is it that you're longing for right now? Something came up in each of our minds we're here. And I'd ask, I ask further, What did it take for you to get here tonight? What was that journey like? Not just how far was it, but what was going on just before this? Maybe some of you had to tear yourself away from the fourth quarter. You either get that or you don't. If you don't, God bless you. <laughs> but every one of us came here out of something, out of a situation that we're in. And For some of us here, that might be pretty intense. For others, it's just kind of a nice, easy fall Saturday afternoon. But every one of us got here in the midst of a journey. So I want you to think for a minute about that first reading because it's in the middle of a journey, right? There's Moses and the Israelites. Forty years, we're told, they wandered out in the desert. And I don't think it should be lost on us how absurd that scene is. So they're doing battle with this tribe, the Amaleks, and Moses has to hold his hands up. As long as he holds his hands up, everything seems to be okay in the battle. And he gets tired. So helpers have to come and keep his hands up but there's something absurd about that that's not how Moses had to do other things he didn't have to hold his hands up at the burning bush he didn't have to hold his hands up at other times there's just something absurd about it but he's got to do it and he's only going to succeed if he's got these helpers with him holding his hands up and I don't know if it ever occurred to them why are we doing this God just sprang this one on us. But they're on a journey, and they want to get somewhere. They desperately want to get somewhere. And sometimes we do absurd things if we have a sense that this will get us through the desert to where we need to go. I had the privilege this week of sitting down with some of our seminarians over at the seminary. We had a kind of a long weekend break over the holiday. And while some of their classmates were... I don't know, camping or sitting out at the pool or something. I told them, you'll never know that life in five years, so if you're going to do it now, get it out of your system. But these other seminarians didn't do that, and they went on a little field trip, quote-unquote. They went down to the border, uh, border between Arizona and Mexico, and they spent some time working with workers in the Catholic Church and other organizations who do what they can to try and bring a little dose of compassion and humanity to the lives of people who are not all that different from Moses and his people desperately trying to get through the desert. Now, I don't care what your politics are, I'm just inviting us to think about human beings desperately trying to get through the desert, to get to a place that they long for, for lots of different reasons. And this group, seminarians, they had wide-ranging backgrounds. And I was really privileged to talk with them and listen to them. And it was clear how their own reactions varied from being deeply engaged and moved. And some just didn't quite get plugged in, but they were there. They were there, and somehow this shared experience was working through all their hearts. But I was deeply grateful that that was an experience they chose to go on, or that they went on as part of their formation to priesthood. Because for most of us in this room, I would wager that's not how we got here, obviously not tonight, but even previously. I won't assume though, we rarely know the full backstory of the people in our lives, certainly not even our fellow parishioners, but every one of us got here as part of a journey. And what I'd like to suggest Is it what leads someone to do something that is seemingly absurd? Why would you do that? Well, we do it if we have a sense that this is what gets us through the desert. This is what gets us to our destination. This is what leads us to give every ounce of our being, our will, our desire, our effort, our attention. I'll give it. If I gotta hold my hands up in this absurd position, And I got to get people to hold it up for me, I'll do it. Because we got to get somewhere. We got to get out of this situation. And grow this week. We're invited to think about being all in, commit yourself 100%. Amen. That's a beautiful thing. But the wrong way to hear that is yeah, this is about me. If I try just a little bit harder, you know, if I tug just a little bit harder on my bootstraps, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to sign up. Now, I am going to encourage you to sign up in a little bit for church ministries. But if you do that, don't do that in the spirit of, yeah, I better put my time in. Do that in the spirit of, this is my way of getting to a destination the Lord is calling me to. We're all committed to something. I've yet to meet a person who's not committed to anything. Now, we can be way off the mark from where God is inviting us to go in that commitment. Our commitment can be driven by shame or embarrassment or addictions. It can be driven by all kinds of things. But we are wired to be committed people. And So I think a big part of the spiritual life is just inviting the Lord, you know, open my eyes as we sang, open my heart. Lord, where do you want me to be committed? Committere, that word itself. Walk along with me. Lord, I want to walk along with you. And here's the beauty of these readings. What they stress is the power of consistency, right? But they're both absurd in their own way. You know, the widow who keeps harping on the judge, and he's afraid she's going to hit him. I mean, what's that all about? And Jesus isn't an idiot. He he knows it's sort of an absurd story, and he could have just said, pray. He tells this story because in its very absurdity, it leads us to think about this person, you know, just knocking on the door. Persistence has a power all its own, and it's not that it wears down the other side. You're not going to wear down God. But in the persistence, we're constantly looking at ourselves, if we can be self-perceptive. We can ask ourselves, well, what gets me here day after day? And if we're brutally honest, if what gets us there day after day is not the best intention, is not the best sort of desire, if what gets us there day after day is a longing or a craving for something that's toxic or self-destructive, than by just noticing the day-after-dayness of it, as opposed to blindly stumbling along. There is a power all its own in that awareness. It's a terrible power. It can be a really painful power, but it does have its effect. And that's where God is sometimes inviting us to go. I want you to notice what you're doing. I want you to pay attention to the desert that you're in the midst of. See this crazy story about this widow who's annoying the judge? Who are you annoying these days? And what's driving you to do it? Because if we can begin to understand that, if we begin to see it, if we can say, this is where my commitment is. Good Lord, literally, good Lord. This isn't where I want it to be. So how do I redirect that commitment? And if it was simple as, doggone it, I'm going to do it myself then we wouldn't be in that trouble in the first place. So it's not a commitment to you decide, you make it happen. It's a commitment to, Lord, I'm in this desert. I'm in this desert, and I don't know that I can take another step. Some of the things our seminarians saw were people with extraordinary commitment, what they were willing to sacrifice. They also saw corpses, The desiccated bodies of people who die in that desert with all of their commitments seemingly never leading them to where they hope to go. The power of persistence, if we're open to it, the power of persistence is that it can be like a mirror almost reflecting back to us where our energy is going, where our attention is going. And it starts with that awareness. And if we notice that it is a little bit off mark, that it's leading us to another 30 years of wandering in the desert instead of heading towards the promised land, that's then when we open up, right? That's why church matters. Moses didn't have church. He didn't have St. Joseph's. But we do. And part of commitment isn't just, I'll sign up to do the ministry, though do that, please. But in doing that, we receive, right? we receive. You become part of a community. And suddenly you begin to become aware. If it's fellow ministers, if it's other parishioners, if it's that guy who always sits in the pew just across from you Sunday after Sunday. But that's what we do for each other as people of faith. What journey brought you here? What's our desert looking like tonight? And I don't say that to be a downer. But the only reason a savior comes to us is because we have a desert. If that's in a relationship, if that's in our career path, if that's in some really debilitating memory that we hold and carry with us like a chain on our heart, we can be committed to just slogging along one more day, one more time on the treadmill, or we, be, we can be committed to saying, Okay, Lord, here's my desert. What is it that you want me to do? And then throw your heart into it. Then throw your mind into it. Then sign up. Then give your time. But if it's not directed by the Lord, you're just going to be wasting another 40 years in the desert. There's an absurdity in the story of Moses having to hold his hands up in order to achieve what he wants, in order to get through the desert. But the absurdity has a purpose. And sometimes it's that kind of absurdity that makes all the more real to us the fact that what God is calling us to can look very different from what we think we ought to be doing. So don't be afraid to be absurd in the faith. But above all, don't be afraid to ask God, in my desert, what I'm committed to right now, is that what you want me to be committed to? The commitment is a given. It's the only way to move forward in life, but it has to be directed. Lord, show me the way.